This podcast contains graphic and explicit content, as well as all of the spoilers a movie has to offer. Listener discretion is advised. Hey friends! Really quickly, this review was so fun that we ran a little long and decided to split it up into two episodes. So keep an eye out on our podcast feed for part two next week. Okay, enjoy the show. So here's the problem with that, where we watch every sci-fi movie ever made and tell you what's wrong with their sci and their fi. My name is Emily, and I'm a movie fan. And my name is Neil, and I'm a PhD candidate in high-energy experiment. Neil? Yes. (laughs) It's been a week. I can't believe it's only been a week. I'm dying. It's, I'm, I'm so sleepy, literally all the time. I can't. This, this week went by in a very strange state of both very fast and very slow, so... It really did, didn't it? I, yeah, I'm really ready for, like, the next maybe two weeks to just be done. Yeah. And then... That would be good. I need, like, a month-long vacation. Yeah. I think that's where we're at. Yeah. But do you know what would make this week a whole lot better? Uh, no. A kick-ass fucking flick. Hell yeah. In case the folks at home have not heard our most recent minisode, which you absolutely should, it's amazing. (laughs) Neil, can you tell us what film we will be watching this week? Absolutely. This week we will be watching Akira. The year is 2019. 31 years after being destroyed during World War III, Tokyo, now called Neo-Tokyo, I see what you did there, has been rebuilt and is a thriving metropolis. Shotaro Kaneda is the leader of a biker gang. His friend Tetsuo is injured in an accident and taken to a top-secret government facility. He develops telekinetic powers, but decides to use them for evil rather than good. Jesus. He has the same powers as Akira, the force that destroyed Tokyo in 1988, and now it appears that history will repeat itself. So here's my question, which uh-huh. I know we're going to get to. Uh-huh. Why take this biker gang child to a top secret government facility if the last time you did that, World War Three happened? Because... I aliens, I guess. <laughs> because reasons, Emily. Yeah, I look. This movie is a little confusing for some very good reasons, but it's hard to get everything into the movie. So right, yeah. So I'm super duper stoked. We talked about it on the mini sode, but both of us have seen this film. Correct. We are. I would say pretty big fans. I would, yes. I would say I am a pretty big fan of this. So, and I haven't seen it in a couple years, so I'm really excited to revisit this. Uh, So, a couple details about the movie. Movie details! That's my new thing. Nice. Yeah, no, I'm going to make little songs for this section. (laughs) Uh, So, Akira was released in Japan July 16th, 1988. Released in the USA December 25th, 1989. It is two hours and four minutes long, which is long for an animated it's feature. It's remarkably long for an animated feature, actually. But man, they fit so much story into oh, this. Oh, they, they do a lot more than just fit a lot of story in there, I'll tell you what. Right. Yeah, oh, we will. We will get to it. Uh, so, tagline is, signal trace to Tokyo. Why? I don't remember what that refers to. Okay. But I'm in. Um, I think it, I, oh, actually, I think, I, I think it has to do with some aliens. But oh. we'll see. I'm in. Oh, you know how much I love xenomorphs. Every nope. time. 
every time xenobiology but that's the study of aliens i'm talking about the alien creature itself yeah then that's not a xenomorph no because that's from xeno- the movie alien yeah Damn well it. also xenomorphs are like the things that turn into aliens oh. which is even a weirder concept what's what's a fancy word for alien uh i just, just alien just alien i guess well, you know how much I like aliens. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Tags are animation, action, drama, fantasy, sci-fi, and thriller. And I'm going to toss in there. It's not on IMDb, but cyberpunk. Oh, yeah. It is very cyberpunk, actually. Right. This is rated R for graphic violence and brief nudity. I would probably not have your kids in the room, depending on how old they are, I guess. Yeah, definitely big on the graphic violence. Uh, it is a remarkably violent movie. It's incredible. And again, the animation when they do it, breathtaking. Oh, it's very good. Um, so bear with me, folks. I'm going to try and get these names right. So this was directed by Katsuhiro Otomo, written by Katsuhiro Otomo. He did the screenplay and the original manga. And Izo Hashimoto. I think a U got dropped in there. I think there's supposed to be an extra U. It does not matter. He, uh, they, I guess I don't know if Izo Hashimoto was a male or female, or how they identify, but they helped write the screenplay as well. Uh, Akira is starring Mitsuo Iwata, Nozomu, Sasaki, and Mami Koyama. Fuck me, dude. That could have gone a lot worse. (laughs) It, it definitely could have gone a lot worse. So, Katsuhiro Omoto is the creator and writer of the Akira manga, like I mentioned, and that's mostly what he's known for, but he did also write and direct Steam Boy, another anime in 2004, and Short Peace in 2013. And, fun fact, he also directed three episodes of the original JoJo's Bizarre Adventure from the 1990s. Yeah, it was specifically, um, like, Dio's Quest or something like that. It's like Dio's storyline that they did in the 1990s. I, my husband has been trying to get me to watch, I assume the reboot, but maybe the original. Yeah. It looks insane. It's really wild. Yeah. Is all I have to say. It was, is it supposed to be a parody? I don't know that it's actually supposed to be a parody. I think it's just supposed to be kind of out there. Okay. Like if you've ever seen Uncle Grandpa. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's just, it's not a parody of anything. It's just kind of out there. Yep. Yep. Uh, Welcome back, folks, to our JoJo's Bizarre Adventure podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, all of the actors, Iwata, Sasaki, and Koyama, are all very prolific voice actors in Japan. Koyama is known for Akira, Millennium Actress, Snatcher, CD, Romantic, which is objectively hilarious. Nice. And Black Lagoon. All of them are animated. Koyama is, or Sasaki, sorry, is known for Akira, The Last, colon, Naruto, the movie, and Yu Yu Hakusho, Fight for the Netherworld, which I didn't know existed, and I'm gonna go watch, because I've been watching with my husband the original run of Yu Yu Hakusho on Hulu, and it's wonderful. It's everything I remembered and more. Nice. Um, And finally, Iwata is known for Paprika, and Dubutsu Sentai Zohager. Nope. That's not how you... Zyoger? Zyoger? That sounds right. Let's go with that. Again, I'm so sorry to everyone at home for that terrible pronunciation. I can't promise it will ever get better, so (laughs) that's where we're at. Uh, Hey, Neil, 
Do you know what time it is? Oh, I bet I do know what time it is. It's time for the numbers game. Numbers game. It's a numbers game. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I fucking love this. My favorite game. (laughs) It's my favorite too. So, Neil, this is the first time that we have had a numbers game not in U.S. currency. That's correct. So I'm going to need you to bear with me. All right. The budget for Akira Uh Uh was 1.1 billion Japanese yen. That's correct. That is, it sounds like a lot of money. And at the time, it was just shy of $10 million, which in today's money is 20 million U.S. dollars. That's correct. So honestly, that's kind of lower budget than I thought. I think that's maybe the highest budget for an anime film in a long time. Well, especially up to that point. Like, yeah. this, you will talk about it at the very end because I remember the sheer number of credits at the end of yeah. the number of um, animators and studios. Yeah. There must have been a dozen studios that oh, worked on this film. Oh, there's a bunch of them. It's very high for that. It just seems low, I guess, in my jaded eyes. Would you like to guess, knowing that, again, about $9 million in um, the currency of the time. Yep. Worldwide gross. Total, total, total. Yep. What do you think? Okay, am I guessing in yen or am I guessing in English dollars? Uh, Guess in English dollars, but they are calculated from Japanese yen. Okay, so I'll I'll, I'll guess in, in US dollars then. So domestic release... This means in Japan, right? Yes. Okay. Domestic budget was like nine or ten million. I'm gonna guess this was 1980s. Oh, I'm gonna guess like 16 million. Would you like to guess a lower number and like oh. significantly lower, shockingly like, like, lower, like two million? Would you like to guess again? Oh, no. I know. I, this blew my mind. 150,000? Okay. Well, higher than that. Okay. That's good. <laughs> uh, domestic gross in Japan, they made 553,000 American dollars. Oh, no. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, that blows my no. mind for how much effort they put into this. Yeah. And it's like a huge thing in Japan, especially now, like... Now it's a classic. Everyone's seen it, but yeah. opening weekend, would you like to guess if if total Japanese domestic gross was $500,000, would you like to guess what opening weekend was? F- like for worldwide or No, 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 just no, Japan. I don't know. 1 Benjamin, $100. <laughs> they got eight Yeah, they got eight people into the theater. Oh, I don't know. No, it was uh $11,000. Oh, that's so little. That blows my mind. That's so little. Folks, that's literally like maybe a thousand people saw this in theaters opening right. weekend. Right. So worldwide, though, we are back in the millions. Okay, worldwide, total gross, right? Yes. Okay, we're back into the millions. Six million. No. Dang. <laughs> Two million. Yeah. Close. Oh, 2.5. Okay. Yay. All right. Well, I guess that's... That blows my mind that it's, it's so low, it's, though. It's better. It's better than 500,000, but I... Folks, if you want to call me out and correct me on this, please send me a link or something, because I'm just pulling from IMDb. So, if you disagree, please let me know. <laughs> I wonder... So I know that there was a 1989, like, English dub made for this. 
And then there was also a 2001? Yeah, they re-released. Like, English reboot of the movie? Which I think is the one that's the easiest to find nowadays. If you find an English copy of it, or if you you watch it in English, I think that's the the soundtrack that you'll get, is from the 2001 remake. Mm -hmm. But other than that, like, I'm, I guess, a little surprised. I kind of would have expected it to be more... Right? I at least would have expected them to break even, especially with how, like, pivotal it is now. Yeah, like, considering that this is effectively just a work of art. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, they don't... Look, we'll talk about this probably after the after we watch the movie, but it, as I recall, the actual storytelling in this movie isn't particularly fantastic, but it is interesting, it and is. the movie is downright beautiful yeah you you come for the artwork and and you stay for the action for the action and which is all artwork in the in in the end yeah yeah i don't know that that really surprised me but um this film has a 90 percent on rotten tomatoes both critic and audience score 90 percent across the board that's wild this movie is so good it's so and that's across pretty much all the sites that I looked at. 8 out of 10 on IMDb. It's got a 67 on Metacritic, which is actually is a little lower than I thought. Metacritic, okay. um, it's on a scale of uh, 0 to 100. So 67 is still good. I would have thought it's more, but then I looked at how many Metacritic scores there are, and there's only like 22. So okay. that might be it. So you got like five people who were like one star, didn't like the movie, right. and then you got like I'm confused. 15 people who were like... This movie was really good. Right. And usually, uh, I have to look into Metacritic a little more now, but usually they collect all the reviews from all the sites, and that's why that's how they got famous. So I have to double huh. check what's up with that. Okay. But, but yeah, basically this film is beloved. Yeah. Pretty much everyone loves this. Um, do you, Neil, have any fun facts about Akira? I do have some fun facts about this movie. The first fun fact is that at least at the time, and I think it's still true, this movie has the largest color palette of any animated film. At at some like just over 350, I want to say, different colors in the movie, which is uh, remarkable. It's a lot. Well, and they also used extra, not extra, but more frames per second, Yeah, so So traditional anime is actually shot at about 17 frames uh, a second. Yeah, it's actually really slow. It's not even at 32. No, it's not even at 30 or 32. And it's just because they can kind of get away with the fact that, like, because it's animated, you you can tolerate a little bit less, like, I I don't know, resolution in terms of the the actual animation. But Akira actually does a really good job of keeping the animation levels really high. And it's it's got more more scenes, I think, or more like actual like slides than any other anime film, which is really neat. Also a neat fact about this movie, it was made, it's an adaptation from the six part manga. And I think this is book two or three they started in the middle i really don't know why they chose one of the books in the middle it might have been because they were hoping that they would get you know licenses to do more movies and then just it kind of like it really flopped apparently when it first came out so they definitely nowadays they might remake them and and it might turn into something really good but the reason part of this movie can be like a little confusing to watch 
is because there's not enough context given for where most of the characters come from, why the city has some of its like particular properties, why some of the cultures exist the way they do in the movie, which I think they do an all right job explaining in the manga, like yeah. leading up to this. But this film really does drop you in the middle. It really is just like, here you go, have fun. And it, it unfortunately makes it a little tough to understand sometimes. Mm -hmm. They kind of expect you to have already read it. That is, yes. I think that's actually really fair. I think that they would definitely expect people to have already read this, and most people have not. Matter mm -hmm. of fact, I think I only know one person who owns the manga for this. Taylor does. Really? Yeah, we have the first, uh, the first book. And oh, it's okay. like, it's a... Doozy. Yeah, it's it's a it, they're heck they're a heck of a big books. I guess that makes two people I go. know that own the manga <laughs> for this. So there we go. Yeah, very cool. Well, then as far as expectations go, I am expecting absolute chaos, just like in a good way, like crazy, crazy visuals. Yep. Some heady philosophy, a bitch and motorcycle spin, which is the most recreated or most homaged shot i think in all of film this motorcycle spin that they do hell yeah it's amazing that's cool oh it's so good uh if i can figure out how i'm gonna link there's a montage i found on youtube of like basically every time it's ever been done in film nice and it's it's like a five minute video and Whoa. it's a three second friggin spin hell yeah it's so cool neil what are your expectations scientific or otherwise for akira okay my science expectations are actually really low for this movie it is i would actually kind of classify this more as like high fantasy than i would as sci-fi it is a lot different from any of the other movies that we have watched so far and as such my like science review of it will probably be pretty different from the other movies we've watched i expect them to get a few things right but i expect a lot of it to just be kind of you know typical action sci-fi that really doesn't need to have much basis in reality because it just needs to look cool so this might just be a fun movie it might just be a fun movie we'll see it has been a little bit since i've watched this and i don't think i've ever actually watched this with my science cap on love it i'm gonna so, get you a science cap a little science <gasps> cap yeah so uh so we'll see we'll see how that goes i'm so excited all right well without any more ado Neil, let's go watch a movie. Sounds great. We'll be back. Bye-bye. Welcome back, everybody. We just finished watching Akira. And man, that is a trip. I am mentally and emotionally exhausted. Yeah. Whew. It's... That's a that's a very intense movie, folks. Right. It's remarkably long for an animated film to begin with. It's just over two hours. And on top of that, it deals with some pretty heavy stuff. Pretty and some, heavy. Some pretty visceral violence. Yeah. No, there's... Uh, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that basically everyone in the city dies at the end. We are going to spoil this entire movie yep. for anybody listening so and the disclaimer at the top should tell you that so if you're still here this is on you yeah you you done goofed all right <laughs> all right so should we get into this uh let's get into it all right so 
Movie starts. Opening scene. The date, it says a, a date on screen. And you guys, it's the date that the movie was released in Japan. It's the 14th of July, 1988. And I was like, that's amazing. Look at you sneaky little bastards. Just making those making those connections. So uh, allegedly, on the date that this movie was released, an atomic bomb went off in Tokyo. Yep. 1988. Well... Um, I'm about to say, Neil, do you have any thoughts about that? Okay, I have I have two thoughts about that. One, they're just sort of insinuating that there is something nuclear explosion-esque that happens. We do find out later what it actually was. Not a nuclear explosion. And it wasn't a nuclear explosion, although it might as well have been. And the it's it's really interesting because the crater that it leaves behind is like right in the center of the city and it's like 30 years later and it's all it's still there it's still the crater's right? still there they haven't done anything with it, it hasn't no. filled in they at haven't all. moved the city really at all they just right. kind of rebuilt the city around the crater which, which is pretty interesting those are choices yeah, that is a choice I don't know if I particularly think it's a good one, but eh, what are you going to do when you got limited space? I mean, right? Tokyo's right on the on the edge of the country, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is uh, on the ocean. Mm-hmm. That so that is basically just setting the scene, saying, "Okay, something bad happened. We're going to say it's a nuclear explosion, but we all know that that's not the case. But something bad has happened." Then fade to red, slow zoom in on Neo Tokyo. Thirty-one years later, we got another splash screen. Thirty-one years later. After World War Three, here's basically the where we are now. Then we enter a little dive bar in a basement, and a group of what do I call them? I guess a biker gang, a group of punks, fucking walk in, saying they corralled another gang, and you know, let's go fucking fight them. Like, okay, guys. But then they do, and we get out on the street. We get a beauty shot of all these motorcycles, and man, the fucking detail that is. Uh, used in the animation of this movie is just breathtaking. These bikes look so good. Oh, they're beautiful. Oh my gosh. And I don't think we have seen our our quote-unquote main character's face yet. Um, Canada. Canada? Canada. Uh, no, we see it. It's in a bit. Like, we don't see it right in the beginning. That's right. We see it, we see it as they get the beauty shot of the bikes. Yeah. He is in the beginning of the movie just leaning up against a jukebox, like, picking like out the song. Fonzie. Yeah, picking out the song that he's gonna have play as he leaves the bar. Like, what kind of power move is that? It's fucking boss. I cannot. This guy, uh, Canada, which is objectively hilarious, let's be real. If his name is Canada, it's funny. But it's not, it's... Canada. Canada. But he's a fucking trip. He does just kind of stumble through this movie. He's not a hero, I wouldn't say. Things happen around him and to him. He doesn't have a ton of agency until the end, I don't think. He's the leader of this biker gang. He is the leader of this biker gang. And one of the things that I will say about Canada is that he is maybe the truest sense of an anti-hero. Yeah. In that, it's not that, he, like, some people use the idea of anti-hero as being, like, you're a bad or villainous person who does kind of 
the wrong things for the right reasons mm-hmm. or like you were you were doing bad things to achieve some sort of positive end goal mm-hmm. that is not Kaneda at all no. he is not a hero he is pretty incompetent at most things yep. uh unless it is piloting some sort of I, movable machinery like a, a bicycle or mm-hmm. like a flying scooter right and he is completely incompetent as a friend. He is, he tries to like hit on this girl for like the entire movie and just is really bad at it. Uh, he is just kind of like, he is a main character, but the rest of the movie sort of happens around him and right. he's just kind of like there. Yeah. Which is weird. It's an interesting choice as your main character and it does make me want to read the manga and to be like, do you become a hero? It makes me think that he wasn't intended to be the main character. Well, I mean, that's maybe we're just, you know, latching on to the the mystery guy at the jukebox. Maybe yeah, we're maybe. just fonzying ourselves. Maybe. They all get on their bikes. They're going to go out and fight this other gang, the clown gang, which, again, objectively hilarious. And we get our first neat animation shot where as they drive away, the taillights have this kind of light trail that follows them almost like tron yeah but like way cooler yeah oh god it's so beautiful think like really long exposure camera like image yes. of like tail lights but like instead of having the like bike get smeared with it for some reason it's just the lights yeah. which is pretty cool it's such a cool look oh. also um. in this scene we do see canada's bike like start up and then a whole bunch of electricity comes like i don't know crackling out of the front wheel of his bike it's his coolness is manifesting okay well (laughs) maybe but here's the problem with that tires do not conduct electricity all right that's the whole point they're rubber right yeah they're they're like really good insulators so the fact that there is electricity crackling around the bike means that there is something very wrong and that if he is touching the bike and then touches the ground he is probably gonna die from the worst static shock of his life. This is actually a real problem that that people attempt to tackle in like NASCAR. So because you were, or like also sometimes Formula One, but because you're driving so fast, you are generating just a ton of static like electricity between your car and the ground. And so they actually work metal fibers into the actual rubber of the tires to make them more conductive to try and like get rid of this static buildup on the car so that drivers don't like kill themselves when they step out of the out of the window of their car and like make contact with the ground while their hand is still on the car really yeah that's fucking awesome yeah it's cool so there is some science behind it but they don't use it in this movie i'll tell you that much it's not quite accurate um but yeah, so they, they drive away, the lights look really cool, and we, oh my gosh, you guys, we get the most beautiful shot of the city, and the buildings are rising uh, up to the sky. They're scraping the sky, everybody. Um, <laughs> it's a beauty, beauty shot, everything is gorgeous, the city looks absolutely gorgeous, and you really do see in this shot, uh, Neil was saying at the very beginning, the colors are incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Very, very Blade Runner. Very, yes. like, cyberpunk. 
Yeah. Uh, ask color schemes. Almost like holographic advertisements. Lots and... of neon colors and like big tall skyscrapers and dingy, you know, dirty alleys and it's it's really it's really some good like world building. Yeah. Right? In a very short amount of time. Because they're chasing the clown gang through this portion of the city in, I don't know, maybe ten seconds. And causing chaos they blow up some guy's car they're uh driving around and like beating this other gang with pipes in the city and they're like hitting them and they crash their bikes and things are exploding and like it is murder they are murdering people for reasons that i don't quite i didn't catch do we know why they're chasing this gang it doesn't matter but i'm curious e- do i don't remember why they explain that they're because they in like a in like a little bit they like end up with the cops and Mm -hmm. the cops are like wait so this biker gang just like provoked you so you murdered all of them yeah right Uh, it's it's weird it's so i don't understand why i don't know they might have been like impinging on their turf or I suspect this is something that was explained in, like, a previous manga. I'm sure. As, like, set up, and then it just, like, comes to fruition at the beginning of this. Right. But yeah, so they're they're going through town. Now they're kind of outside of town. They're on almost the outskirts on, like, freeway overpasses um, outside the major metropolitan bubble. And the fighting, again, is chaos. There's a guy who jumps onto the main, or the, like, head clown guy's bike and hits him square in the shoulder with a giant pipe and does absolutely nothing the head clown guy is huge and he don't give a fuck yeah he the clown guy like headbutts the attacker and throws him off the bike and just dead everyone is dead well, and... he runs over his arm after that oh, I it looks about like that. oh, oh it's God. it's really quite gruesome and in phenomenal detail because again they took their time with all this animation there's extra frames per second and you don't miss a fucking thing it's true so canada comes and he and the main clown guy they're gonna play chicken they are going directly at each other and canada wins because again he's ostensibly our main character clown guy kind of falls off his bike and shit goes wild and flash cut now we are on a different sidewalk farther into the city. And we see an injured guy dragging what appears to be a child through the city. They're being chased by dogs. Why dogs? I don't know, because it's cool looking. They're in the middle of a very heavy traffic jam. Like, it's stopped bumper to bumper. And the guy shoots the dogs dead. And people are In like, the middle of traffic, yeah. by the way. Again, there's people feet away from them yeah not even there's like some kid whose like face is like glued to a window who's just like looking out the window and then he just watches this guy kill this dog yeah it's two dogs two dogs it's a lot and this is the first time that we really see that parts of the city are being blockaded by i think it's student protests it's it's like students and it's government uh, opposers of the government and it's a few few things that are all kind of lumped together yeah lots of civil unrest very much so and so the streets are basically empty except for the police there's barricades of cars everything's on fire and my guy here who just killed these dogs not looking great he is bleeding from a few places and the police see him and tell him to stop 
and he doesn't, and they machine gun the fuck out of him. Oh, yeah. Like, they gun him down, and he's got a child with him, so he's, like, protecting the kid, and, I, and the kid is fine. And we see the kid, he turns and looks at the camera, for lack of a better term, looks at the camera. It is and, actually, like, it's a virtual camera. Yeah, virtual camera. And he is the face of an old man, which is not normal. I think we can all agree on. Yep. The kid screams and parts of the building fall down. There's like a giant oh, beer yeah. can. Yeah. And, and windows explode and shit is raining down on people on the sidewalk. And we're like, oh, that's I, interesting. I have a quick thing about this uh, particular scene. Yeah. Um, if someone was able to like scream loud enough that it generated that kind of shockwave that like blows out windows for an entire block and like causes building structures to collapse, it would also probably rupture most of the soft tissue in your head. So like your eardrums gone, gone for sure. Your eyes might actually suffer some damage. Well, it would not be a particularly fun experience. No, it sounds awful. Very, yeah, just unlikely. Because they don't show any people being injured other than by, like, falling debris. Right. Oh, now we kind of cut to a really quick scene where another old-looking, young-sounding child says that this kid, he's now in the old part of town. Because he has teleported away from this person who has died. That's right. I forgot about that part. At the hands of the police. So now we know that teleportation is a thing. Yeah, they can just teleport. There are people who can teleport. In this world. Yep. I really, for just a second, I thought you were going to tell me people could teleport in our world. I was like, stop everything. How has this not been every conversation we've ever had? Nope. No teleportation yet. Damn it. All right. Well, in this world... We see uh, Canada and his gang, they're chasing down the last of the clowns, and we meet a character named Tetsuo, right? Yep, Tetsuo. Tetsuo, Uh, Tetsuo, and he fucking chases this uh, uh, clown guy on his bike, and he beams him square in the head with a pipe. And it is viscerally gross. It's really upsetting. This guy, like, falls off of his bike or, like, trips or something. And then Tetsuo just comes through with, like, this big old, like, steel pipe in his hand going probably, like, a hundred and some odd kilometers an hour, which is, like, 55 to 60 miles an hour. And he just comes through and just clocks this guy right in the head with with a steel pipe. Yeah, it's not great. And then Tetsuo, so he looks forward, because he was looking back at the guy, and he looks forward, and he sees this kid. And he is about to hit this kid. And he doesn't. His bike blows up. Right before impact is made. Yep. And that was kind of cool. Is There's a force field, I guess. Yeah. So this is this is the first force field we see in the movie. Although we don't actually see him put up the force field. We just kind of like see him like put out his hands and like flinch away. The kid does. Yeah, the kid puts out his hands and, and flinches away. And then like we see Tetsuo's bike just smash into what should have been the kid, but isn't because we see the kid just like kind of standing untouched by the explosion. Also, lots of bikes exploding. This isn't what happens when you crash a motorcycle. They Are don't you saying just... it doesn't immediately burst into flames? No, they don't no. immediately explode like this. I don't understand why this is every single car crash. Because it's awesome? This isn't a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> it, it could be. It very it's well probably, could be. It's a precursor be. <laughs> to several Michael Bay movies. Oh my god. If this was live action, can you imagine the car budget on this oh. thing? That'd be a lot. Tetsuo's bike blows up and he is thrown and he's not looking too good. He rolls real hard. And then 
all of a sudden, like, five or six helicopters show up, and they're clearly looking for this kid. And the second kid with an old face that we mentioned briefly earlier, he comes down, he's in a floating chair, and he tells this first kid, you know, you have to give up, it's it's over, you have to come back to where we were. And the the gang is all here now. They They came and they saw that Tetsuo's been injured and they're trying to help him and then everyone is arrested the military comes in everyone is arrested and um but tetsuo is being taken away on a stretcher he's being taken somewhere not great is is what we're meant to gather from that yeah they come in they pick him up they bring him into one of these military helicopters or some like crc vehicle and then he's just gone. He's just gone. He's just ghosted. Yep. Or black bagged or whatever they call it. Yep. So we are, it's, we're doing, in a shot that's just kind of overlooking the city and we pass by an Olympic stadium that's being built. It's about 150 days, they say, away from the 2020 Olympics in Japan. You guys, the Olympics actually did happen in Japan in 2020, quote, 2020. It was obviously canceled because the world ended. Yep. But in 2021, it actually did happen. And how crazy is that? That 88, they're like, oh yeah, Japan's totally going to have it in 2020. I actually don't know if it's that crazy. I think the Olympic Committee tries to give cities like a ton of heads up. Well, they have to build so many Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like some cities definitely have the like infrastructure available, but some don't, mm-hmm. like for example, Sochi. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when the Olympics happened in Sochi, they had to know quite a bit in advance. And then actually, Sochi isn't a big enough town to support the infrastructure that was built there. So a lot of the Olympic infrastructure that is there is now like very run down and decrepit because there's no one to take care of it or use it from what i understand that is not uncommon in yeah. the majority of olympic sites yep. like rio all of those buildings are empty yep. so many of the high rises that they built in vancouver absolutely empty. oh interesting yeah all i know is that uh I've, I've been to some of the olympic facilities in germany i've seen the ones in munich and i've seen the ones in berlin and they're still, I think, relatively well used. Okay. They're, they're still, like, kept up to date, relatively modern looking. Neat. Yeah. But yeah, so that it was just something interesting that I thought. I was like, oh, it actually wasn't. It was in Japan in 2020. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, so the gang is at the police station getting processed, and they tell the police that they were on their way to see at least one person's dying mother. It, yep. I, I don't know if it was everyone's dying mother, but at least one person's dying mother. And then the clown gang stopped them somehow, and that's why they had to go on a killing spree, obviously. Yeah, they don't actually say that they kill these people. They say they put five of them in the hospital. But these people are dead. There is absolutely no way that they made it out of there alive. They're in the morgue in the hospital, for sure. Fair enough. Yeah, so we find out that the army has been working with the police to hunt down all the anti-government groups that are staging these protests. They're really trying to lock this down. Which I guess if the Olympics are coming, that makes sense. They want to put their best foot forward, as governments do. They're out in a hallway with a bunch of people, and a guy runs out of the room with a grenade. And he, like, fucking pulls the pin, and he's ready to blow shit up. Yep. And it just doesn't. Do we know why it doesn't? I don't actually know. I would bet that it's probably some sort of maybe improvised weaponry that just malfunctions. 
Yeah, it was just a weird little scene. It didn't go anywhere, and it didn't yep. do anything. Nope. Until later, I'm pretty sure the grenade actually does go off, because you see an explosion in the building I think they were in. Huh. But it was it was odd. So, uh, Canada sees a gal that we've seen pop up a few times, but she hasn't had any lines or anything yet. Um, her name, we know, he doesn't know, but we know her name is K K E I. And he says, Canada says to the police that she is a member of their gang. And because their gang is allowed to leave, can she come with? And they're like, get the fuck out of here. And it was very funny. So he basically saved her from being interrogated. He just wants to do this because he thinks she's cute. And he asked her out on a date and she has zero time for him. This is a side note, but there's a funny line that I just want to go back briefly. The police officer who was interrogating them... Says that he was 25. Yeah. Not even married. 25 going on 40. Yeah, he does not look 25. And it made me laugh. And that was a very good line. Well done, Akira. I think that is a pretty common trope in a lot of animes. Yeah. That you get one character who's like, no, actually, I'm pretty young, but I just look very old. Right. It's in anime really is you either look like a baby or like you're ancient. There is no in between. And it's always the opposite. The people who look like babies are actually ancient and the people who look ancient are actually pretty young. Right. Yeah. Choices. All right. So we are now in an office. We saw earlier there's this big kind of bald guy who was in charge of picking up uh, Tetsuo and arresting Canada and the gang. And he's talking with a politician And he says there might be a mole on the council. And we're like, oh, what's the council? You know, what's going on? And we find out that he's a colonel. And then we flash to a laboratory or or a a medical facility. And we see Tetsuo is going through tests in what can only be described as a crazy looking MRI machine. Very advanced medical technology. It's so cool looking. No idea what it is, but it's supposedly like probably rebuilding his body a bit because when his bike crashed and he goes flying it does seem like he probably broke almost every bone in his body he was he was hit hard he was not looking too good but there's these uh two rings in this machine that he's like centered between like they're like lifting him up or something and then they're just like spinning and like there's like extra arms going around and it, it looks really advanced, but yeah. I have no idea what it's doing. Uh, but the, so the head scientist, I have no idea what his name is. I don't think they actually named him. Did. He looks like a kind of very intense Albert Einstein. Yeah, classic. Yeah. So this head scientist shows Colonel a dancing light music thing i don't honestly know what it is but I think it's, it's cool looking i think it's supposed to be a brain scan oh and just to be like this guy's got some esper abilities yeah okay so. i mean that makes sense so the dancing light pattern shows that uh, tetsuo has come into contact with what they're calling number 26 it's the the kid that we saw on the street and and he's got something he, he's got the right stuff eh? yeah he, he's uh awakened right right awakened um and they would like they say that they should add him to quote unquote to the numbers so it, i assume it's these kids who are numbers you know at least 26 25 26 
probably 27, and then Akira, we find out later, is 28. That's correct. So that's kind of fun. That's a little sneak peek. The colonel does, I'll give him this, he does ask a very good question here, saying that is it even safe to bring Tetsuo into this experiment if he's got the same power as Akira? And look at what the fuck happened last time. Yeah. Also, Tetsuo appears to be physically aged much more than the other number that we have seen so far, which is number 26. He look 26 looks to be about eight. Yeah, he, he looks like he's probably eight and that he never really aged older than that. Except in the face. Except in his face, where he looks like he's about AD. Yes. So yeah. there's there's some question about whether or not it'll actually be viable for Tetsuo to be part of this program. And, and the colonel says, like, if anything goes wrong, even the slightest bit wrong, you terminate him immediately. Yeah. Things go wrong, and he doesn't get terminated immediately. They... And the colonel just gets to rub it in everybody's face. They sure do their darndest trying. Yep. And it does not work. Nope. So flash cut now. We're at a school. A school for hard knocks, I will say. It is run down. It is graffitied. It is very dirty. Clearly no one cares. I don't really know why they're there. If they're they're not trying to learn anything, they're very rowdy. Um, yeah, it's probably just like a government mandated yeah, thing. Yeah, you just have to be somewhere for these eight hours. Um, so it's, it's a very dirty school, except for the principal's office. Gorgeous. Pristine. Very Oak clean. desk, awards on the wall, and that was a really nice touch that clearly they don't care about anything outside this office. But yeah, so they're getting disciplined for being arrested, which, I mean, that's fair. You were I, yeah, arrested. Makes sense. But the way they're being disciplined is not cool. Like, no. the PE teacher smacks the shit out of them. Yeah. Nah. Some really, really unpleasant corporal punishment. Yeah. Not cool. Um, so the guys leave school, and they bump into girls, and they have no interest in these girls, which is so... I don't know. It's interesting that they've got the characters, and they're designed really well, but they do nothing, these girls. Yeah. They are there i think just to show that these kids are kind of popular because they're a biker gang oh that makes sense and then i think that because later in the in the movie when they lose their bikes the girls are just like oh you guys don't even have bikes anymore like That's what right. are you and, and then, then they, they just leave. leave right but yeah so then we flash to the hospital again briefly and a nurse goes in to give tetsuo his medication but she runs out screaming something's wrong all right, I have a big problem with what happens in this next scene. We see Tetsuo has somehow managed to break out of this incredibly high security government test hospital. Yes. No. <laughs> no, this doesn't happen. People don't just wander out of hospitals like that. There are cases of... People wandering into hospitals like this. Right. But if you are wearing any sort of, like, gown, you are not going to be let out of that hospital. I wonder how he got out. Because we didn't see him. We didn't see how it happened. So we're just speculating. We just see the nurse kind of arrive. And when she, like, goes to open the door, it's already open a crack. Oh, yeah. So it looks like somehow he just, like, disables the lock on the door and then just walks out and leaves. 
smart guy. No one monitoring the room. No one, like, stops him from leaving. Like In, in a normal hospital, he would have monitors hooked up all the fuck over. And if he removed it, they would sound an alarm. Well, also, and they would know. there are, like, security guards right. at hospitals that just, like, watch cameras to make sure stuff like this doesn't happen. Especially in, like, government research hospitals. Totally. This seems very unlikely to me, but I don't know. Maybe we've got people out there who work in the medical field who could tell me otherwise. Yeah, let us know. Is that a thing that happens? Also, tell me your craziest I work in a hospital story because I want to know. So, we flash cut again. We are at a laundromat. And we meet a sad-looking girl named Kaori. And she is... She's... She's sad. She's sad-looking. And Tetsuo runs in, still in hospital clothes, and he's, uh, I'm out, I rescued myself, and they're messing with my head, and she's, you know, cares about him clearly. I assume they're dating. They are, they mean something to each other. We don't really know what. It is, I guess, implied that they're dating, but it's never said explicitly. Right. And this happened at night, and the next day at school, right? Or maybe not. No, I think... This is the same day. I think it's the same day. They just, like go to some alley or something like that and he's just like munching on a sandwich right and a coke that he just like throws into some pipes we will come back to the pollution in this city wow it's disgusting so uh, we're back at school and canada sees tetsu and kaori steal his bike and he's like excuse me fuck what um, so the whole gang piles onto their other bikes and they follow. Canada's bike that that Tetsuo is on just stops in the middle of the road for battery reasons. I, I uh, didn't quite catch. No, it's because he like he was talking about how you need to keep it over five thousand RPM even if you're like even when you're changing gears. So I think it's gotcha. just that he like accidentally killed the bike and the bike was going really fast to begin with. So the whole thing's just kind of, like, in neutral, and then it just dies. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Unfortunately, it dies in a very bad time. Yeah. Because the clown gang comes up, and they're like, you're gonna pay for yesterday, and beats the shit out of them. They rip Carrie's shirt off and knock her out, and Canada and the gang come up and chase the, the clown gang away. And he does this cool thing where he's running at a bike that's coming at him and he jumps on the front fender and does a jump kick and knocks the driver off and it was cool it was cool cool looking so carrie wakes up and now we're seeing from her point of view tetsuo is beating the ever-loving shit out of this clown guy he is taking out a lot of anger repressed and otherwise and he has a meltdown at canada about always being saved he doesn't want to always owe canada or something yeah so tetsuo's like beating the snot out of this guy to the point where canada thinks the guy might die right and he steps in and he's like hey tetsuo like stop you're going too far and tetsuo blows up at him like you saved me that one time because I was getting the shit beat out of me and that's the last time. And Kanada's like, dude, I don't care. I, I don't care how many times I have to save you. Like, if you need to be saved, I'll be there. Which is a sweet thing to say, but not what Tetsuo wants to hear. Not what Tetsuo wants to hear, even in the slightest. No. This man is angry. Yeah, he's got a, poor guy, he's got a lot going on. And he starts getting these very painful headaches and visions flash through his brain and the name akira comes up and it's just some 
crazy images that that flash up and it's it's a little disturbing yeah, a lot of a lot of horror and like body horror he's having these like scary nightmare visions then the scientists have somehow locked in on Tetsuo's signal and they find him they come and pick him up and in a little bit later uh, the whole gang is on a bridge watching the protests and a bomb goes off at a nearby mall and the police machine gun everybody out of the smoke they just mow down everybody oh, yeah. regardless of whether you're there to blow things up or there to shop you going to die and um, Canada sees Kay run by and follows, and she is with a, a guy, a little mustache guy that we saw at one of the earlier scenes, and they separate, and she goes down to the street level to get away from the police, but they're, they're down there too, because they're everywhere, obviously. They just start shooting at her. Canada follows, and he saves her, and falls into the water in this ravine, in this gully. Gross. And he comes up and he's completely covered in brown... Goo. Goo. It's, again, the pollution is breathtaking. I think this is done on purpose to really drive home the... This is a post-apocalyptic, post-World War Three level, like, nightmare scenario. Because Japan itself, extremely clean. Yes. The people there care a great deal about keeping roads clean and not littering. And the fact that these that these streets are so littered and just covered in trash and debris, I think is, is really done on purpose to, to drive that idea home. That makes sense. So Canada is, is trying to save her from the police. He shoots a guy's face off. Uh, yeah. That was kind of intense. Okay. Okay. Damn it. I don't know why I can't. I didn't spell it right and I'm not saying it right. But so now we're back at the lab and Tetsuo is back. He's getting more experiments done and he's having flashbacks to his childhood of when he and Canada were growing up. And then everything's disintegrating. The ground is disintegrating. His hands are disintegrating and he wakes up in bed and it was just a bad dream. And this starts a very long uh, sequence for him where he is having terrible, terrible dreams. But so we're flashing to a big empty room now. This is not part of a dream. We're flashing to a big empty room and there is a girl in a big pink bed with an old looking face. So it looks just like number 26 who we met earlier. And she wears some weird makeup, right? Like Yeah, she just looks like she wants to wear makeup. Kind of has a... I don't, I don't know, child's choice yes. in in kind of style. So there's bright blue eyeshadow and bright pink lipstick on this old, old face and in this little girl's body. Kind of it. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting. It's a definite look that you notice when you see her. But yeah, so she says that um, they'll see Akira again. And the colonel's there and the scientist is there. And she says that we'll see Akira again and the city will crumble and so many will die if Tetsuo gets out into the world again. And the colonel's like, well, can't let that happen. That's no can do. We're not gonna go through that again. So now we're in a bunker and the colonel and uh, another group go go down this big path of uh, with cold gear on. Cold gear, like a, a big jacket. And they're on this platform that goes down into the earth. Yeah. And Some it's Some cool subterranean looking. depths of this, like, 
bunker. There are actually, it kind of almost looks like a mine shaft. Yes. That is built at like, I don't know, 45 degree angle, 50 degree angle, something like that, going down into the earth. And if you, uh, if anybody has ever seen Neon Genesis Evangelion, the elevators that like ride down at an angle, they're riding one of those elevators yes. down. It's a perfect copy, basically. Um, so they, they get down to the bottom. We have no idea how deep it is, but it feels pretty darn deep. And they open these giant doors, and they say, the machines start right up, so that's something. But they say it's 148 Kelvin, which is very cold. Yeah, it's about minus 200 degrees Fahrenheit. How can these machines work? That's too cold. I mean, I think that in the area outside of... So there's like two, there's two areas, right? So there's, they come down, they enter like the kind of control room down there, and it's pretty cold. Because they're, you know, next to what it amounts to, like, a dilution refrigerator that is sitting at, like, I don't know, minus 200 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's, like, cold in this room. But then they open this room and they say inside this this uh, door that they've just opened, it is it's minus like 200 degrees Fahrenheit. And the colonel just walks in there. He, with no hat. No he, hat. He's fine. No gloves. No, like, actual protective gear just other than coat. sort of a warm coat. Doesn't even look that warm. It looks like a rain slicker. Yeah, kind of just like maybe a trench coat at best. Yeah. He just walks in there and he looks at this like other machine in there. And then the scientists report back to him and say, oh, the, the other machine inside is holding it 0.0005 Kelvin or something like that. Which is almost absolute zero, which is when like movement stops or there's something special about absolute zero. Yeah, it's when all of your atoms are in the lowest possible energy state. So when this happens, you don't get any sort of like vibrational or rotational or like even really that much kinetic energy, although that is really the only energy you have, is that you sort of have things that can still move around a little bit, but they can't actually do things that normal molecules would do, like uh, vibrate or rotate. Okay. Oh man, that is cold. It's very cold, yeah. Not the coldest that we have uh, actually achieved as humans. Shut up, really? Yeah, I think the current record is like something on the order of like nano-Kelvin or pico-Kelvin. Jesus. Uh, which is like 10 to the minus 12 Kelvin or something like but that. But that would not be a space this large, right? No, 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 That's no, 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 no. a very small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be like, they got five atoms that cold kind of thing. Gotcha. Uh, this is like a large contraption room almost. It's got a, the, this, the small inner almost egg looking structure at the very core of this has like a door that a, a grown person could walk through. Yep. So it's, I don't know, maybe 20 feet tall, maybe 10 feet wide tops, this kind of egg thing. Yep. Um, and over the door says, has a sign saying Akira number 28. So we're like, Oh shit, here it is. We found it and we'll come back to it. So now we are in a random hallway somewhere in Japan. Kay and Canada are looking for Kay's friend whose name is Ryu. So they're looking for Ryu and they find him and Ryu, Kay, and their other two friends shove Canada into a room and lock him in there thinking that he's a spy of some sort. Yep. Um, so they're a resistance group, again, of some sort, and they're trying to break into this medical bay to get out 25, 26... And I assume 27. Yeah, somehow they know about these children, supposedly through the leak on the council, and we actually 
find out who that is a little bit later. Although I don't think they ever name him, which is, again, yeah. pretty interesting. I assume that that's integral to the long-term plot or the plot before this movie and then just kind of doesn't get brought up. They're, they know about these espers and they want to they wanna break them out right. and... I don't know, get them to do better things for society. I'm not really sure what their end goal I is. I don't I don't know either what their goal is, but they're making they've gotten orders now that they have to go get Tetsuo. And Canada bursts in, because of course he does, says Tetsuo is his friend and he's coming with, god damn it. I'm like, alright. So now we're on a bridge. Oh yeah, and Ryu is talking with the mole from the um The council. The council. He's this weird-looking, tiny frog face. Well, he has guy. a he has a face that looks a bit like a mole or a rat. It does, yeah. And I think I guess that's deliberate. I would guess, yeah. And I did not catch what they were talking about because I was looking down, and we watched it with subtitles, so I I missed some stuff because I was looking down taking notes. So, do you know what they were talking about? <laughs> Doesn't matter. The point is, they're on a bridge, and they're looking over, and they see a group of religious radicals begging Akira uh, of, the, of the gods to return. I do know what they were talking okay. about. They were talking about how to enact mass-scale political change. Oh. Kind of the idea of, like overthrowing and installing a new kind of government in like a coup fashion or like instating a people's uprising and like generating a new renaissance or something like that so they're they're kind of talking about what the best way for this to happen is and, and who the people are who will do that and you know ryu's like oh we got like this core group of people who like are gonna you know be able to pull this off on secret missions and stuff like that and this councilman says, I respect your guys' ability, but absolutely not. Look out there. And he, you just see all these, like, radical, you know, like, our Lord Akira is coming to save us people who are just on this other bridge down below them. And he's like, those are the people who are going to institute your political change. Right. And because and they are crazy. The leader of which, by the way, looks exactly like Hank Hill's dad. Like, a bit exactly yeah if if hank hill's dad dressed up as uh as elvis yeah yeah no i'd see that i could uh, yeah that's that's what it would be so now we are in a conference room the colonel is asking a small group of gentlemen in a round table for money to study tetsuo then the rest of the group is saying that they have too many other things to spend this money on, that it's kind of a waste, right? Yeah, they're all, like, politicians, some sort of counselors. Right. Um, and this is where the guy who is talking with Ryu, this is, he's on this council, so he is the mole. He's leaking all of this information of what they're talking about to the resistance. They, the group says that there's, quote-unquote, there's no proof that Akira caused World War Three. And we're like, well, other than the fact that, I don't know, other than it happened, other than we know it did, like, come on. Yeah, a little, a little strange. This scene felt very realistic to me mm -hmm. because you have one person who is saying, here's a bunch of science that you should care about because if you don't, it'll come back to bite you in the ass. And people at the table were like, okay, and what kind of, you know, societal impact does this show? What can I tell my constituents who will vote for me about this that will get them to continue to vote for me? 
Like, we need tangible results from this. And they were like, no, this is for the benefit of humanity as a whole. And they're like, ah, uh, yeah, well, no funding for you, bud. And and so the, the colonel, who is... Honestly, I think he's on the side of science in this case. Yeah. Although he is gets frustrated at a lot of people for just not doing things the right way which is which is very valid we've all been there he he kind of just gets really upset at this and just stands up and says if you'll excuse me i'm out of here and just dips and that's after they tell him that he's under review he's he's gonna get fired most likely yep and removed from his position and they're gonna take over control and say and safety of neo tokyo and he's like well Y'all are dumb, and before I kill anybody in this room, I have to leave. Yep. So, I I feel that deeply. Hey friends, this ends part one of our review of Akira. Join us next week, where we get to the good stuff. We'll see you then! Enjoy your science!